Welcome to the first episode of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Hey, well, welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. We are so grateful that you've joined us for our very first podcast. And we hope that this will be a weekly occurrence where you'll join us every single week. My name is Peter Ahn, and for those who don't know me, I'm actually a, a pastor. I'm a lead pastor, the founder of Metro Community Church. We're located in Englewood, New Jersey. I've been there for the past 17 years. Uh, it's a church that finds its ministry philosophy primarily on this thing called weakness, and that's where we get the title Week Pastor. And, uh, you know, we live in a culture where everything is about strength. Everything, uh, you know, when you put on your resume, you always put some strengths there. You never put a weakness. And years ago, I just thought, you know, I don't really have too many strengths. Never felt like I was qualified to be a pastor because I had what it took to be one. But there was one specific moment in my life where God said, the reason why I'm calling you to be a pastor is because I know you can't do it. And that was a really sobering reality for me. And what I didn't realize was that what he was trying to say, he was saying, Peter, embrace your weaknesses. Because if you can embrace your weaknesses, my strength is gonna be perfected in you. And it says that in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And so that's kind of been sort of like my mantra to ministry, to how I approach life, to how I approach spirituality. And just, you know, years ago, I just thought, what would it be if we, what would it look like if we could start a podcast where we focus at, we look at like Christianity, current events through the lens of vulnerability. And so my hope is that as you journey with us on a weekly basis, is that you'll begin to perhaps maybe even learn some things about me. I'm hoping to share some really deep stuff, even being very vulnerable with you, the audience. And uh, even for those who might attend Metro, maybe you're listening to this, uh, I hope that you'll see even a different side of me. And uh, it'll be a great opportunity for you to potentially maybe even engage in that. And that's really it. And and we're gonna try to approach every, every sort of show and every podcast through the lens of vulnerability. And we hope that this will be an opportunity for you to be encouraged, but to look at faith in the way that I think God sees faith and how we can engage with life and some of life's diff most difficult circumstances uh, really through this vision of uh, weakness and vulnerability. So that's the hope, you know, and I'm so excited that I get to be here and be in your homes wherever you are on a weekly basis. I'm also really excited to introduce to you my co-host who, who is a great friend of mine, uh, but I'm going to let her do her own introduction. Her name is Sue Huang, and she comes from the land of the corns. <laughs> corns, plural. Corn the land fields. of the corns. The land corn of the corns. Yeah, yes. cornfields. Uh, also the land of Buckeyes. I don't know oh, if you gosh. guys are college oh, football fans. Everyone but... knows where that is if you yeah. live in the Midwest. Yep, <laughs> yep. O-H-I-O. I mean, I am not a Buckeye fan, but I love the Buckeyes because anytime there's a game, I can go to Costco and be in and out in like 10 minutes. So that is a true blessing <laughs> so in my he, life. So Columbus stops <laughs> when there's a game. It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's bigger than a religion out there. It how is the football absolutely team. bigger. And the wow. energy, if, if there's a loss, which there aren't many, but when there is, the, it, like the energy of the actual city just just gets depressed. Wow. You can feel it. You know, there might be something spiritual happening hence there. Hence the cornfields. Yeah, hence the cornfields. Anyway, field. yeah, okay. there's a lot of corn. The corn is excellent. There's a lot of popcorn. Um, I am not native to Columbus because I used to be on staff at Metro with Pastor Peter, and that is kind of how I got to know Pastor Peter so well and i will be referring to him as pp if anybody during this podcast is like what the heck is That's a her. pp a pp is a pastor peter yes, <laughs> in this context else. in this context and nothing else okay so if you're wondering why does she keep calling him pp that's why um it started when i started attending metro and started working um on staff but yeah i'm excited to be here um when pastor peter first asked me to join i was a little bit um <clears throat> reluctant 
because I am not a pastor. I'm weak, but I'm not a pastor. And so I just didn't know if it was a place for me um, to be and it, that it was appropriate for me to be on this podcast. But um, after leaving Metro staff and coming to a whole new place, you know, something interesting that happened is a lot of my social groups started becoming less Christian oriented or church oriented. Yeah. I've developed a lot of friendships that are outside of the Christian context or the church ministry context. Mm. And I realized there were a lot of questions out here in the world where I had not been for right. a long time, um, where the answers really had to be Jesus. Um, and mm -hmm. I wanted to be, um, a, I wanted to kind of foster a place where we could ask those questions that pertain to current events or culture or media, and we could answer them in the context of Christianity. And not just that, but as Pastor Peter said, in the context of Christianity um, being seen through the you know, lens of vulnerability. And so I'm very excited to be part of this, con you know, this podcast. And hopefully I don't say anything crazy that will get me canceled. No, well, we hope that you'll say some st crazy stuff. But I think uh, what the audience should expect is for myself and for Sua that we would, what we'll, we'll try to do every week is we'll try to bring uh, a bit of ourselves and being very open yes. and honest and vulnerable yes. about our own lives, about our own kind of dark sides, if you will. The dark um, I think that's going to be important to it. Um, Sua, Sua's smiling because she doesn't have too much of a dark side. But you'll, oh, you'll hear that's what you think. Side. That's okay. what you think. Okay, all right. Well, well, great, great. Well, those who are listening <laughs> who are friends of Sua will know that uh, you're going to learn a whole new, you're going to get a new side of this girl. Oh, this God. Woman. In a way, I think uh, hopefully it'll be uh, encouraging, uplifting, but also maybe give you some good gossip material. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Girls. I'm joking. I'm joking. Anyway. Men. No, but yes. so, so, no. so I, w I want you to know the reason why I really wanted you to do this wasn't just so that you and I can kind of hang out again, but you which know, is I remember a thing, which is a thing, which is cool. Uh, but I still remember like when you worked at Metro, I would go to your office and we would engage in like current events and different things that are happening in the world. And we could just talk for literally like, you know, like 30 minutes, an hour without, without even looking at our watches and just kind of get lost in it and just engaging in the conversation. That's why I really wanted you to be a part of this podcast and sort of engage and hopefully like we can kind of recreate those moments that when I used to go to your office and we used to talk about these things, I really do believe like some of the things we talked about, some of the conclusions we came to was actually pretty powerful. And that's yes. one of the reasons why I wanted you to be a part of this. So this is gonna be a journey. We want you to uh, sort of engage with us on this. We have a website, www.weekpastor.org. And I just want you to know Sua designed it or she actually helped get people to design for us. <laughs> I don't know so if that's she, a good thing or a bad a thing. thing. <laughs> this woman is a jack of all traits. Anyway, so she is oh our co-host, our executive producer, our graphics designer. She's basically everything. <laughs> but anyway, the, the website's there because the podcasts are going to be there. You can subscribe on iTunes and Spotify yes, and all that stuff please. every week please subscribe. But we also want this to be interactive. So as you listen to us, if there's questions, if there's some things that didn't sit well with you that you need to let us know about, ask it, share your feedback. We'll promise to do our best to get it in the next show and just kind of unpack some of that stuff before we hit on the new topic. All right. So that's our promise to you. We want this to be collaborative. We want you to engage with us and yes, we would be very, please. very thankful if you would do that. Right. So uh, if we can just kind of get started, the first topic that I really want to start off with is that, you know, Sua, um, pastors, I wanted to get your thoughts on how you deal or how you respond when you hear stories about pastors falling. Mm. 
I mean, it almost happens regularly. I mean, in your news feeds and things like that, you hear pastors, you know, falling from moral failure, like Carl Lentz, right? Bill Hybels. These are some people. You hear pastors doing things where they abuse their power. Uh, Mark Driscoll, there's a whole podcast that's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hills. Uh, John Ordberg misusing his power as well. Uh, you know, you hear Ravi Zacharias. Uh, you hear pastors yeah. committing suicide. Oh my gosh, the list podcast. is so long. It just there is this thing. So I just want oh my you know, goodness. I want to ask you, like, yeah, like how do you respond to it? Somebody used to be on staff, somebody who works with pastors, somebody who's actually led ministries and churches, but also now is kind of a removed from it. Do you get discouraged? Like, kind of, how do you respond to that? Because I know I, I wonder what what people in the church are thinking about and how they're responding to when they hear stories like this. So I'd love to get your take, and I'd love to share mine too. But um, I want to hear what you think. So. Yes, I definitely get discouraged, definitely disappointing. However, I do not feel like it crushes me to the point where I am questioning everything about my faith. And I have uh, Metro, actually, my time at Metro to thank for that distinction. Um, and I say that because Metro was the first church that I ever attended where um, there was a real visible um, philosophy of weakness and vulnerability and transparency that was preached on the pulpit and that it came down from the leadership um, positions. This was a whole new thing for me because mm -hmm. um, I grew up in a Korean American church context where it's a very hierarchical relationship between the pastors and the congregation members. Um, in fact, I think, you know, it's like the way you think about it is there's the Holy Trinity and then there's pastors right below. And then like all <laughs> the way down is like us peons, you know, the congregation right, members, right, right. you know? And um, that was the context I grew up in. And add to that the fact that, you know, and I'm going to tell you a little story, but I promise it circles back. Um, before I attended Metro, during college and grad school, I attended Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the church. It's um, where Pastor Tim Keller um, started. He started the church. Yeah. And um, when I was attending back then, he was an active part of the preaching team. He preached pretty much regularly every Sunday. And um, I was completely infatuated with him total fangirl and i probably shouldn't say that even in a past tense but i was really infatuated <laughs> with him it was not um it was not a romantic infatuation sure, i just want to make sure. that very clear sure. um, it was a spiritual um infatuation i was just i just thought he was the bomb diggity okay i probably shouldn't use that phrase but i thought he was awesome I and i had phrase, all of his books oh yeah i thought he was amazing and um yeah, I, had, I just thought he was awesome. I thought he was like a demigod, you know? Mm -hmm. And the reason why I bring that up is because one day after I started attending the church for a while, my mom said to me, ever since you started attending Redeemer, you talk more about Pastor Tim Keller than you talk about Jesus himself, um, which is such a savage thing to say mm. to your daughter. Yo, that's... That's that's keeping it's it savage, real. It's savage, right? It's savage. No, that's, but, that's that's real. But then yeah. I at first I was like, what are you smoking? Like that's crazy. <laughs> but then I thought about it and I realized, holy crap, this is true. My entire faith had come to rely on this one person and what they were preaching on Sunday. So imagine if something had, God forbid, um, happened to him. I my faith would have had nowhere to go. It would have been entirely based on one person, the pastor. Yeah. Um, and everything that I believe about God and the gospel would have been encapsulated in one person and how he can do it, right? And so right. that's why I'm very thankful for my time at Metro where I never had any issues yeah. with idolizing well, the bar was, pastors. The bar was, was laid down to the human level now. You no longer <laughs> see a demigod anymore. You just see a broken, weak man. No, yeah. but I mean, we say it in a funny way, but yes, actually, yes. And I think that is, to me, it was a very holy moment to be able to see that, um, to see a pastor um, being 
just like us, you know, and I'm sure you don't read it, PP, but you know, the celebrity gossip magazines like Us Weekly, they have these corners, like these sections in the magazines called okay. celebrities just like us. And they have pictures of like, you know, like Julia Roberts shopping at Whole Foods, buying like tofu. And then you oh, feel yeah, yeah, like yeah, a connection yeah, yeah, yeah. with them. Like, oh, look, she's just like me. And oh, I think to nice. me, that's that, kind yeah. of what um, Metro did for me when I heard you and other pastors preaching. It was like, wait a minute, they're just like me, you know, I mean, I had thought they were a totally different breed of Christians. But at the end of the day, they are imperfect, they fail, they make bad decisions, and they need God's grace and redemption in their lives, just like I do. So I think that prepared me um, for these kinds of crises that have been happening all over. So let me let me ask you this question, then. suppose you found out that I cheated on my wife. Oh. Okay. So let's just paint no. a scenario here. Like that cheated on Jenny. How would you respond to that? Because you just said like, you know, you used oh, to attend no. uh, Tim Keller's church. You had this, he was a demigod. I, I know <laughs> what your response will be when, 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 when you've attended Tim's church and you see him as a demigod, but you've come to Metro. Everything is more down to earth. You know, uh, you, I, I, you know, we're just, pastors are just like us. We sin just like you guys do. So I guess, how would you respond to that then? How, how would you react to that when you, heard a, when you hear a story like that, that, you know, I had an affair on, on, uh, on, on, with, with, with somebody else other than my wife? Well, first I would have you get a brain MRI because how could you possibly cheat on Jenny? Jenny is literally one of the best human beings ever. Like she's she is cool. hot she's and cool. holy, hot and holy hot and, and holy. the most emotionally H-square. healthy person I have ever met. So yeah, I don't know, know. It's very annoying to live with somebody that emotionally healthy. <laughs> I'm, I'm really going to be honest with you. It's really annoying to live <laughs> oh with somebody that healthy. I mean, she's yeah. amazing, you know, and she she's truly amazing. So I would say something is clearly there's some atrophy going on in your brain if this is the decision <laughs> you have made um but you know to answer your other part of the question um i would hope i would hope that i would have compassion on that and i would understand because you have never um as a pastor of metro or ever as a human i don't think you've ever put out this image that you are perfect and that you don't make mistakes i think you've been very honest about um your weaknesses and so I would hope that, yes, I would still stick by you and still be able to respect you as a pastor. Now, I'm going to throw a question back to you, though. Yeah. Is that something you've struggled with? Is that why uh, you're asking me? V- very often, yes. Um, really? I have, I have wow. struggled okay. with uh, uh, adultery, the sin of the adultery, or just lust wow. in general wow. um, for like probably my entire pastoral career. Um, I think there's been some really great breakthroughs as of late. Um, so, mm. uh, so it's definitely there. And um, that's why when I hear stories like with the Carl Lenses and the Bill Hybels, um, you know, I, I can't identify much. I mean, I guess I could identify with like the Driscolls with the abuse of power mm. and stuff like that because I have power in the church as well. Yes. But I really identify and have a deep sense of empathy when I hear pastors um, committing adultery. Because it has been a deep, dark kind of uh, a sin that I've had to deal with regularly and, you know, kind of embrace the fact of my weakness and my humanity through this and saying, man, if I don't get a handle on this or if I'm not going to find some level of accountability, there's no way uh, I'm going to be able to keep, you know, going in ministry. And so, like, the weird thing, Sue, is that when I first started ministry, I thought like that. I thought my dark side was just that. I thought Mm. my dark side was just, I'm going to commit adultery, so I got to be careful. Like, I got to be careful. 
Um, I know my father probably has. I just don't have any, you know, factual oh, evidences wow. of it. But, you know, he lived in Vietnam during the Vietnam War to make some money. Sure. He fixed sure. watches. Um, my mother suspects it. You know, I probably have, you know, half brothers and sisters out there that I don't even oh know about. Wow. You know, so and so forth. I think there's a generational thing, but that, that still is a cop out. Sure. You know, I think part of it is just that, you know, it's just uh, something that I struggle with. But when I first started ministry, I thought that was like the thing I had to really focus on. And then as I kept going deeper into ministry, ministry by year five or six, I realized it's so much deeper than that. Like what do you mean? My, oh, so what I, meant, what I mean by that is this, like my greatest temptation wasn't necessarily the things that I was lusting after. That wasn't my greatest temptation. Mm. My greatest temptation was that I wanted people to spiritually lust after me. Ooh. And that oh, messed wow. me up. Wow. And that created like out of that, what, what are some of the tentacles that that kind of that, that wow. temptation leads to? It's like adultery sure. and other things. But I, I really wanted to be like Tim Keller because like, look at how you said you used to be a fangirl. Like I wanted to be somebody's fangirl. Wow. Uh, I wanted people, I wanted churches to invite me to speak. I, I wanted to write books, bestsellers. Like I, I wanted to beat Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. I was like, I'll, I'll write a book that more than 40 people can, write, can buy. Um, you know, just things like that. And part of that was that it was deeply rooted in my, in my sin of shame that I lived mm -hmm. in so much shame because, you know, I grew up in, a, in, a, in an abusive home. Um, you know, when you live in, a, when you grew up in a home where you are physically abused, not because you've done something wrong, but just because, you know, your, your father is drunk and he's just struggling in his life and he uses you as a scapegoat, it really does a lot of stuff sure, with your identity, yeah. messes you up yeah. in every way. And so I live a lot of, a big part of my life feeling like, you know, not that I'm capable of making mistakes, but what shame, why shame is so destructive is because it teaches you or, or, or you believe that you are the mistake. And so when you live your life like that, when you believe that you're like the mistake, you kind of live it always wanting to compensate for something. And I live my life like that with ministry. I had to, I, because I had so much shame, I couldn't just be happy with just being a pastor. I had to be a pastor of a really large church. I had to be a pastor where everyone was saying, I'm really amazing, mm -hmm. that I'm great. Yeah. Because I kept hearing a voice saying, no matter what, you're a loser. You're a mistake. Wow. Wow. And so that, you know, I think for me, it's something that I struggle with regularly. And that's why I have a great deal of empathy for for pastors who fall and I have a heart and I, ho I do hope if some are listening right now, you know, um, there's hope, there's hope. If I can keep, you know, walking the straight now in the midst of my temptations, um, there's hope for you. And what's helped me over the years, Sua, is that I would never be here today. I, I, I can't even tell you that, like, it would be a complete lie if I said, well, I'm, I'm where I'm at today because I fasted and I have, I fasted 40 days. I pray, you know, I pray, you know, I mm -hmm. journal, I do all those things. Yes, yes. But I think the greatest thing that has helped me over the years is two things. And one, we'll hope, we'll hope to have a, a podcast on both of these things one time. But the most important one is, and I'll share this one first, is that I have a soulmate. It's not Jenny. My soulmates are people where I share literally my dark side with. Like they know everything. They know the darkest areas to my humanity. Wow. They know every temptation that I have, every evil thought, wow. all that wow. stuff. And if I if I didn't have those men in my life, I I mean I'd, I'd mm. be a statistic. I, it'd be over. I'd be done mm. with it. And so that has literally changed my life completely. Where I had you know I had um, uh, one of my 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 soulmates just say to me like years ago this was probably when my father just passed away mm -hmm. it was probably like two years once he passed away it was like two years of darkness even though i grew up hating my father we really reconciled and i loved the man and mm -hmm. stuff and mm -hmm. 
when he went to be with the Lord, um, I, 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 there was all the stuff that was happening in my own life because I just missed his presence. But then I also, there was all crucible. There was like this challenge that was happening in the church. People started leaving the church mm-hmm. like in droves because that. we talked yeah. so much about social justice. You were part yep. of that, Sue. Like you, yep. we, we, I would go the and lament. Or I would yep. get so angry in your office and I would just be like, oh, I can't believe this and mm-hmm. stuff. But um, yeah, so anyway, it was a really dark period of my life. And I popped, that was the period, if I could say like, if, if there was ever a moment where I was very close to committing adultery on Jenny, it was that moment. Mm-hmm. It was those moments. Wow. I didn't have like a particular person necessarily, but I just thought, you know, like your mind just wanders. And mm-hmm. my soulmate literally said to me, you're going to lose everything. Wow. Or forget your church. It's not about you're going to lose your wife and you're going to lose your kids. Mm-hmm. Stop entertaining these wow. ideas. And that's the difference between, you know, being transparent and being vulnerable. It's a big difference. We'll talk about that in the Soulmate podcast. But trans- like the young generation, these Gen Zers, they love being transparent. They just love it. Like, <laughs> no offense to any Gen Zers that care. are listening to yeah, the they podcast. Don't just, transparency is a high value. But then they don't want to be vulnerable because if you're vulnerable. What do you mean by that? Yeah. When you're vulnerable, it's not about just being transparent. But when you're vulnerable, it's about receiving feedback from somebody oh, to help you to grow. Yeah. That's that the difference different. between transparency yeah. and vulnerability. Yeah. And I was being vulnerable with my soulmate, and that's why he was able to say, you're yeah. going to lose everything. That's a big difference. And that, that could have hurt me. You know, Being vulnerable means you're putting yourself in a position where you can get hurt. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between being transparent and vulnerable. So soulmates are important yeah. to have in your life because you can be vulnerable, and they can help you to grow, and that's, that's the part of it. And then the other thing that's really helped me, and you know this, Sue, well, like I've been in counseling for like yes. seven, like eight years. Yes. And for about three years, I for one full year, I went every week. And then for two years, I went twice a month. And it helped me so much to make sense of my past and everything to get me to be a bit more, emo- a lot more emotionally healthy. Mm-hmm. And like these sins of like lust and other things slowly started to subside where to it's a point where it's like completely manageable that's awesome so those are like the two things for me so yeah so that's yeah, kind of like huge where things at. yeah big time big time and it's, it's really helped me over the years you know through it so yeah so but Sua, would you still stay at church if like say you were attending metro okay. i committed adultery and i went up and i said would you please forgive me you know i'm jenny and i working on it so on and so forth would you leave the church or would you stay and well, I think I think you would say you would leave, you would stay because we're friends. But say you were just an attender, say you were just attending the church. That's um, again. I would hope. Again, I can't guarantee because hopefully that situation will never ever happen. Um, but I would hope that, like I said before, I would stay because once again, I don't think the. Um, the version of you that you've put out over the many, many years of ministry has been that you are an imperfect human being who is flawless, who is never tempted, who is just this, you know, um, bastion of perfectness, you know, perfection. That's not what you are about at all. And in fact, there's so many times where you on a Sunday um, said so many vulnerable, transparent things to the point where it like pissed off my husband. And I'm not going to go to that particular story. I'll save it for another time. But there was there were a couple of moments when people would just gasp and be like, oh, 
I can't believe he said that, you know, and do you remember, do you remember, um, you know, this story about the time when um, I was holding a small group after right after Sunday service. And this person who was in her middle age years, and she had not come to church for a long time. She said, I didn't feel like I could come to church because I felt like I had to get my act together before I came. But then I heard Pastor Peter preach. And I was like, holy crap, that guy's pathetic. And if that guy can be a pastor, I can come to church. You know, <laughs> I'm happy to be prophetic in your presence, people. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, yes, it's funny but i think that's that's the thing is that's what made um metro so special for me and the leadership of metro so unique to me is that um the leadership's job was never to uh pretend that they were perfect but it was always to lead from a place of vulnerability openness transparency humility um share the lows share the highs but also share the failures you know and i think i would hope that because of that i would not necessarily you know I don't want to say I don't. I wouldn't be surprised. I would be very surprised, but okay. um, I would stay. I would hope that I would stay. I, I think so. I think so too. But I do feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Sua. I think there's this, and this is just because I'm a pastor. I almost feel like you know people who attend the church, um, they expect too much from us. Oh yeah. They expect yeah. too much. They expect too much perfection, or that you know, because we're pastors, we shouldn't struggle with like lust mm -hmm. and things like that. You know, so I, you know, so I, I guess, I guess the thought is, is like, is that unfair? Because I think it's unfair, but yet at the same time, I can understand why they would think that. Like, you know, but I think it almost puts us in this hole where we have to live a secret life because we cannot be honest about these things. Because if we are, the church is going to judge us, and people are going to leave the church. Like, do you think that's a real thing? Do you think oh, it's right? Or absolutely. Do you yeah. I mean, okay, so going back to, and because I can only talk from my own experience, right? So growing up in a Korean immigrant church, um, have you ever heard, for those of you who may speak Korean, have you ever heard this phrase like, Shiamdurasa? I don't know if you know, but basically, what does that mean? It's like they were stumbled. That's basically what oh, kind of, or I, I they were fallen said, into. Take, I thought you said, did you take a test? <laughs> that is the same word. But basically, okay, this is okay. like a phrase that my brother and I laugh about all the time okay. because when I, we were growing up in church, people there would always be people who would just suddenly stop coming to church. And then we would be like, oh, like they have stumbled. Mm. And it's usually not because they did something wrong. It's like they were upset by something that the pastor or someone in the leadership did. And mm. then they left the church and they basically wanted people like the pastor to come and visit them at their home and apologize. Like yeah. that's kind of what the expectation was. Um, and I think um, that comes from that co context and culture of wanting your pastor to be a certain like closer to God than closer to us. Um, and yeah. part of that is good because I've never seen another culture that reveres the ministry of a pastor more than a Korean um, right. church. I mean, the Korean church congregation members, I mean, they bow, like legit bow to the it's pastor. It's like the fourth person in the Trinity. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. crazy. If you see the way um, congregation members react when a pastor is physically present, I mean, it's like they are in the presence of like a god you know they are bowing the 90 degree bow they are like when you hold their hand you think their flu is going to go away like it's like this crazy mm. thing but the flip side of that is you're right there is this very unrealistic expectation that's placed on them where you expect them to never make mistakes be perfect and that is a prison for the pastors because they can't be free to be who they actually are you know, so that is so, a tragedy. So, Sue, let me just ask you some questions and just about you, like, just because you asked me, have you ever struggled with adultery? Have you ever struggled with adultery? Have you ever struggled with lust? I hate to not be salacious and deliver on this, but I don't, I really can't 
remember a time when I st- struggled with adults. See, you're the reason why the church struggles so much because you can't understand and identify. So that- I mean, I spiritually lost it after Tim Keller. Does that count? <laughs> no, that, that that might count. All right, so maybe you're the wrong person. But I think like the re- I think the, the problem is in some ways, and this is just me kind of going on my soapbox. Like, I think sometimes the church is to blame for pastors falling because they put us in such a, a pedestal that that we have to sort of be like these demigods where we don't struggle, we're mm-hmm. impervious to mm-hmm. this stuff. And as a result of it, I think pastors end up living a dark secret of life. Now, listen, I'm not saying that the church is responsible specifically for this, but in some ways that we they've sort of put a standard on pastors in such a way where it almost makes it impossible for us to live up to. And I yeah, and that's I one of the that. reasons why. And that's why when you read these stories of these pastors falling, that's why it it it, it goes on every news feed because well, it, that's the expectation that society has, I, and we've adapted something. I think that society like they just we we've adapted to what society believes. I think of a pastor. But can I ask you? Um, is there because you know you're asking me have I ever struggled with adultery? And I think part of that the answer is no. And it's not necessarily because I am like this perfect human. I do think generally speaking, it manifests differently between men and women, right. um, lust and um, sex and all these things manifests differently. And I think we have different experiences, not always, but generally speaking. But is there something about the pastor's role that makes adultery specifically so much more accessible? You know, like- Yeah, it sure does. And, and the reason why I'll say this is, and this is why I think pastors have to be very careful is because um, when you, when you, so like you said, men or women are a little bit different with um, with how they, they struggle with lust mm-hmm. or adultery. Mm-hmm. I think the reason why you've been where you are today, Sue, is because you've never really connected emotionally with another man but John. I right? would agree with that. Right, so that's why, so women, I think, in, and I'm just speaking very generally here, but you know, when I talk to Jenny, my wife, and when I talk to other women in the staff and in our church, you know, they always say that it's not like porn is never an issue because women aren't as visually stimulated as men are, mm-hmm. but women get really weak when they get emotionally uh, impacted. During so very like, vulnerable moments, I yes, would say. Yes, when, they, when, they, when a man like connects with them on an emotional level, and they sense that and they're like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe like, you know, this person understands me, but my my husband doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and stuff. Yep. It, that's when it's dangerous. And so like that, it's sort of like the emotional affair that kind of happens. And so that, 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 that you have to be careful. And so I think one of the reasons why, you know, this kind of happens a lot within the church because the statistics is 33% of pastors are committing adultery on their spouse. Ooh, and we still what? know that there, yeah, we still know that there, there are more, there are a lot more male pastors than female pastors, right? And so yeah. we know that it's yeah. completely lopsided right now, even in 2021. And so I think part of it is that um, pastors have power in the church and when they connect emotionally with another woman and they help a woman that way, um, and men are just naturally visually more stimulated than women are, when a woman is attractive and they're connecting in that way, that one thing leads to another and if they don't have proper boundaries, it's very easy for a pastor to seduce a woman but also be seduced by it as well. And if, especially if that pastor is struggling in their marriage, um, it, it becomes a really hard thing. If they're struggling not only in their marriage, if they're struggling in their ministry, if they feel like they're not really, you know, doing what they'd hope to do and stuff like that, um, it's really hard. Do you know that the average lifespan of a pastor is five years? Wait, wait, hold on, what? No, because you're yeah. you're not five, so that can't be right. That yeah, means that average, you die at five. 
Yeah, the average lifespan of a pastor is five years. I, I just, I, I've been doing Life, some stuff. You mean like stuff. lifespan of, oh, you mean like their job as a pastor? Yeah, yeah, oh, I just said like an, a pastor dies at five years old. Oh, I was no, like, no, no, what? No, no, I'm, uh, no, no, no. The, the, okay, so, okay. So like, got it, okay. Like, our, our, our lifespan is the Got same, it. if not less than an NFL running back, right? The oh, NFL wow. running back is less than five. Their yeah. career only lasts five or less because it's such a high impact. Yeah. They get hit all the time. Sure. The, the, the running backs, they get five years is the max you get out of them, right? Like the peak years. And so that's huh. the same thing with pastors. There's no other profession that leads to burnout than the role of clergy. Wow. Right. And so that's why the statistics is that 1,200 pastors quit every month or they mm. get fired. And so these are like the real statistics. And there are a lot of things. I think, I, I think a part of that is because there's such a high expectation placed on pastors that the pastors put on themselves and the church puts on them. And uh, they can't live up to it. And, you know, their dark little worlds are very secretive. And when a pastor lets their dark worlds become a secret, that's when you have big, big trouble, in my opinion. And, and that's why, uh, you know, one of the things I hope you get out of this is that if you're a pastor or church leader or just anyone in general, if you have secrets in your life, meaning that nobody, like not your spouse, no one in this world, not one person knows your secret life or your secret world, um, it's just a matter of time uh, before you fall, especially if you're a pastor wow. where uh, you're going to fall really hard. And you have to find somebody, at least one person, when you can be completely honest with. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll make sure we have a podcast on that in the future, hopefully the next one, and to kind of teach what, what it means to have a soulmate. And it's really key. It's really important that that happens. And uh, when we begin to do that and we get, begin to be vulnerable, then we can have some people keep us in check because, mm -hmm. man, this, you know, to live this life as a Christian all alone, and that's what pastors often feel very alone. Um, you can't, you can't do it, especially your sinful nature, our sinful nature, like our brokenness, our dark worlds. We can't, we can't just be the only ones that know about it. We got to bring other people to help us to enter our world so that they can help us to defeat it. So. Yeah, I think that's like the the most important part, you know, to all of that. So yeah, so so like, how do you how do you take that? Like, kind of as you're hearing it, what's resonating with you? What's not? Like, what what are what what are some things that are kind of rushing through your mind? You know right what's now? funny is this reminds me of um, maybe slightly off topic. This reminds me of the time when I had first joined Metro Snaff, and you told us that we were not allowed. <laughs> G chat with people of the opposite I sex. Do, I mean, this is G chat. I don't know if anybody actually remembers G chatting. Although, you know what? From my experience, there were definitely some affairs that happened as a result of G chat. Of course. It always it starts with an innocent G chat. Thing. Yeah. It was just a constant thing. Um, but I remember, and I remember thinking this was crazy because I was working at Columbia Presbyterian at the time and I had a social worker. Um, well, I was a social worker and my fellow social worker, Emily, we were in the same office and she would be like, so let me get this straight. You're not allowed to G-chat men. <laughs> and, uh, and she wasn't a churchgoer, you know, and I was like, yeah, well, you know, Pastor Peter says I'm not allowed to G-chat men. She goes, that is crazy. She's like, why can't you chat with men? You know, like she just thought, and so I kind of went into this whole thing with her where I was like, well, PP says um, that when he travels, he always goes with somebody else. And when he, you know, does counseling with somebody who is a member of the opposite sex, he'll make sure that there, it's a public place or that the door is open or like there are other staff members in the office. And she looked at me like I was a crazy person. Like she was like, that is crazy. She's like, your pastor yeah. thinks that he's going to cheat on his wife. Like your pastor thinks this, yeah, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. um, but I, I, you know, I remember she was incredulous, but it was a very wise thing 
to establish those boundaries. I mean, I don't know. The GChat thing was a little bit crazy because I'm not going to lie. Yeah, Eventually, I, 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 I did admit, chat that, that with a, other people. That was, a little, that was a little hardcore. I got to admit. I got to admit. That's a little hardcore. But. I mean, I did break that rule. It's I'm, I'm, I'm not at Metro anymore, so I can say that now. But well, uh, full disclosure. But, you know, like I think part of it is because you trust yourself. And, and I think that's great, you know, because part of it is that you're like, well, you know what? I'm good. I trust myself. No, but, but that's dangerous, too. To exactly. trust yourself. That's what I'm trying to say. Be careful because while you may trust yourself, Sue, that's what I'm uh, saying. Like, suppose somebody you're G chatting with who might be single in our church, but starts to, you know, like have an emotional connection. And before you know it, they just have a full blown, like romantic feelings for you. And, that, well, and that's what you don't want. That's, that's what I was just trying to protect the staff from. Well, I think that. So my, my friend Emily and I, my coworker Emily and I, this was the conversation. She said he really thinks that he would cheat. And she, and I think part of it was because you were a pastor, right? And she just right. couldn't believe that. And, but to me, that was something very wise because I, you know, I was thinking nobody is immune. And I think that's the danger is when you think you're immune, you know, whatever yes. your reason might be, because, you know, you think you're ugly or you think that you have a happy marriage or because you think you're a holy person. Like if you think you are completely immune, that is a very, very dangerous place to be. It, it it's the most dangerous place to be. And if that's, that's showing that you don't respect the sin of adultery, you know, and things like that. And, and you just have to be careful and, and, and you have to know that it could really destroy you. And so for like in the beginning of my ministry, just to be really vulnerable, and Sue, you just mentioned it. Mm -hmm. I actually went to my elder board and I said, hey guys and gals, that we had men and women in our elder board. I just said, I, I, when I travel, um, I struggle and, and I don't want to struggle uh, with lust when I travel. I said, would it be okay if within the church's budget, if when I travel and I travel out of state and I get on a plane, could I bring somebody with mm. me? And mm. they were so gracious. They said, absolutely. Cause they knew, you know, like, okay, he's asking for help and this is gonna help him. And yes, it's a little bit more money that the church may have to spend. But at the end of the day, our pastor is not gonna fall for moral, yeah. moral failure. Yeah. And I never struggled. Whenever somebody was with me, I never struggled um, with like, you know, watching porn, you know, going to the bar, trying to pick up somebody or go to massage place or any of this stuff like that. And, you know, uh, years ago, Sue, you know this, but I took Ku with me to uh, Africa, to yes. Zimbabwe and South Africa. And Shout we did a pit Ku. stop, a day pit stop in France and Paris. And so like that, that trip, I was like, man, I got to bring somebody on this trip mm -hmm. because it could be, you know, this could be a bad recipe for me because I'm going to be like in Paris by myself, you know, Africa and all those places by myself. And I just have to be careful. And, sure. you know, it, it took that kind of, you know, vigilance in the beginning. And now I'm in a place where I can trust myself better. And I know I'm in a much better place and I can travel alone. But in the beginning, I just did not trust myself and I had other people need to be with me through it through that so and if i didn't travel with somebody um my soulmates always called me and mm -hmm. checked in on me That's they awesome. said hey what are you doing you, where are you what's going on are you thinking about it like what's happening and I always appreciated that. And that's been really great. So I think this idea of soulmates is really important. And we'll talk about that more. But I also think like, you know, if you're a churchgoer, don't put the bar so high for the pastor. We're just human. We fall and, and make a lot of room for your pastor to fail and, and be okay with it, uh, especially if they're being honest about it. And I think if you're a pastor, uh, please, please, please do not live in secrecy have somebody in your life where you can invite to be a part of your dark world so that they can keep you accountable. Because if that doesn't happen, again, we're just gonna be another statistic. We're not gonna last in ministry for more than five years. 
and we're going to walk away uh, from the church. And in the process, we're going to hurt a whole lot of people. And that's not good. And mm-hmm. in, in God's eyes, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's somebody who's trying to be strong when they're really weak. Mm-hmm. And so it's better to be just weak and admit that you are weak mm-hmm. and then encounter God's perfect strength through it. And that's really what I think what yeah. we're trying to do here on a weekly basis, you know, and trying to engage, you know, within that. And so I hope that we would be able to do that, um, you know, as a community and uh, as, as listeners here, that you would be able to engage within that. And at least you can say, you know what, today I want to be vulnerable. I'm going to be weak and I'm not going to have to put on this image that I'm this perfect put together person. So that's, that's, that's my mm-hmm, encouragement mm-hmm. to all of you, you know, thinking through that. So, yeah. Any other final thoughts, Sua, before we wrap? No, no. I think um, I, I and thank you for being so open and transparent, PP. I mean, I even, after even spending how many years, like 10 years knowing you, I have learned some new things. Yeah. You. All right. Yeah. Well, well, the next podcast, we got to learn some new things about you. Right. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go try to do a All lot right, of, because right now you are too perfect for this podcast. Okay, you don't struggle with lust. You know, it's just uh, you know, just because it, 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 lust it's, it's is not pathetic. my particular sin okay. du jour doesn't mean I have other okay. ones in we my gotta, arsenal. We, we, gotta, we gotta figure out what what is what is on your buffet palette every day. You know, what is what is the sin buffet that you struggle with? Because clearly, we started lust is not with we started with one that's very um, heavy. Okay, so, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, listen, I want to thank you again for listening, and we're really out of time now. So please tune in every week uh, we hope to we hope to hear from you uh, make sure you get on our website and connect with us there and uh, hopefully you'll listen next week take care and have a great week bye